Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. Wow, we are excited to be on Frank's Beach and uh, really appreciate the audience. Uh, we've had so much good feedback from all over on this. Stay tuned for more distribution partners for CDM. We are the wire service of the world now, and we're bringing really high quality content to whoever wants to help distribute it. So uh, we're, we're not just talking heads. We actually bring real news from around the world. We are brought to you by the Georgia Record, georgiarecord.com, and I'm here with my co-host, Bill Quinn. Thanks for coming on, Bill. You bet. It's great to be with you, Todd. So busy, busy, busy day today. Uh, we've got, uh, well, run through our guests real quick, Bill. Well, we'll have uh, Bob Smith, a candidate for the Georgia Senate, uh, coming in. We'll have an update from Joseph Rossi on the work that uh, and pressure that he's been applying to the state election board to look into the uh, cover-up that uh, appears to be going on from Raffensperger's office. Uh, and we'll hear from Garland Favorito in the latest from the curling Raffensperger case. We'll also, we'd also like to hear from you regarding some of the findings that you published during the week, Todd. So, Yeah, we're going to go into a lot of stuff today. It's going to be action-packed, so uh, please stay with us. We are uh, or we're self-funded. We have some advertisers, uh, but we really... Uh, need your support as far as signing up for our no ad subscriptions in that it brings us revenue every month. It's about 10 bucks a month. We have a discount for the year and it really gives us revenue that we can count on every month to hire new reporters. I mean, we have so much going on literally all over the world and we're growing to try to save the Republic and bring in information to everybody really globally. Now our audience is global and especially this show, funny enough, is, is really got a lot of uh, viewers in Germany and UK and Australia all around the world. So it's because Georgia is such a center point to everything that's happening in the world globally against this uh, Marxist globalist revolution. So sign up for our no ad subscriptions, uh, top right corner of the Georgia record. You can find the blurb there, learn all about it, and you get access to all 13 and growing sites with no ads. If you want to be an advertiser with the Georgia record, give us a call, give us an email. And uh, if you want to be at the front end of the new media paradigm, this is it. And we want advertisers who are not afraid and want to help grow the country and recover the country as well as grow your business. We There's a knife fight going on in several places right now. Uh, one of them is in the GOP. We, we've seen that in Georgia and elsewhere, and we're going to do, be doing a special on that soon with, uh, with uh, several people who are involved with the Precinct Project and others. And we want to focus on involvement in the local communities. But there is a knife fight going on between a lot of the establishment type of Republicans and the more grassroots oriented. There's also a knife fight going on in media. You know about all the uh, the major channels like, you know, Washington Post, uh, CNN, ABC, all of that, New York Times, which are really fast becoming irrelevant. But there's also uh, more of a fight as to who's telling the truth and who's not. There are a lot of people out there that say they're conservative, but they they block stories. I mean, this has been, we've seen this over and over and over. CDM is becoming really the only one that will tell the truth no matter what. And that's what our credibility credibility calling card is. We want to be seen as credible and we figure the audience will come after that. In that vein, uh, we have a site in Eastern Europe. I started it in 2015 uh, while I was writing for the Washington Times because I was traveling around all that area. I was a national security col columnist for the Washington Times. And I realized that really people didn't know much about the former Soviet Union in its area. So I started a site, which now is one of our main sites where we bring you Eastern European news. Uh, it's called Tsarism. And it's really about all of the former Soviet republics and associated territories. Tsarism means the territory once controlled by the Tsars, which literally is from California, San Francisco. There's a Fort Roos all the way to Poland. 
So this is a big area, and this is a site, zarism.com, where we focus on this area and bring you news. We broke a lot of the news in Ukraine in 2019 and 2020 because we've had a team on the ground there. But um, in that vein, recently we were told by uh, some fairly high-profile media personalities that uh, that we didn't really know what we were talking about in Ukraine and that uh, you know they had much better coverage. So I found that odd, and uh, so I wanted to just – show you a quick clip of our coverage in Ukraine and we'll let the audience decide whether we you know know what we're talking about in the region this is when I was there during the invasion it's only a few minutes long thanks hello this is Eltide Wood direct from Kiev uh, it looks like Putin has picked the third option which we were discussing over the last few days and has decided to change the government in Kiev we woke up this morning to some explosions uh, nearby at the airport where I understand rocket fire has hit military targets. The Kremlin has said they will not fire on civilian targets. Uh, it seems it may be a rolling strike to try to frighten the Ukrainian army into surrendering before anything happens. I understand tanks are rolling in from the north in Belarus and possibly from Donetsk in the, in the east. Hello, this is Eltad Wood live from Western Ukraine. We have been traveling all night for about 15 hours amongst thousands of cars fleeing the capital city of Kiev. I'm in a safe house west uh, of the capital towards the Polish border. There are still klaxons and air raid signs going off often. And uh, basically the war is in full display here. There are anti-aircraft missiles firing off and behind me up against, actually not anti-aircraft, anti-ballistic missiles uh, being fired. Anyway, the war is hot. Uh, I think we were lucky to get out of Kiev. So uh, hopefully be to the border of West Ukraine to leave the country in the next few days once things cool down. We'll be back again shortly. Thanks. Hello. This is El Todd uh, direct from West Ukraine. Uh, there has been fighting here all night. There has been automatic uh, anti-aircraft, uh, large caliber weapons firing all night against Russian transport planes coming in from the south uh, towards the center of Ukraine, uh, attempting to land paratroopers in different airfields. Uh, it seems the tide of the war may be changing or at least coming to some type of stalemate. Uh, we are hearing the tank columns <clears throat> from the north and from the south have been stopped on their way to Kiev. So the Ukrainians are fighting back, it seems. So the encirclement of Kiev by Russians during this blitzkrieg in the open uh, does not look to be consummated yet. Whether that will happen soon is to be decided. I'm sure the Russians will send more forces now possibly larger bomber aircraft, et cetera, to secure airfields. Uh, there is a report that Kazakhstan refused to help Russia with troops, uh, but there are large numbers of Chechen troops moving in country. We spent the night <clears throat> in a bomb shelter, uh, constant missile and uh, ballistic missile warnings, uh, sirens going off, klaxons. So the fight is hot. Uh, we are still moving west. And uh, this war seems to be 
at a stage where the first stage is over and the second stage may be beginning as in more entrenched warfare in certain positions. Uh, there's also reports that uh, large amounts of casualties on both sides. We've heard at least 5,000 Russian, or excuse me, Ukrainian, and close to 4,000 Russian at this point. So this war may be turning to a different phase, a much more brutal and bloody and uh, uh, violent phase to be determined. Hello, this is El Todd Wood reporting direct from Western Ukraine. The situation has gotten immensely worse over the last uh, 12 hours. Multiple uh, firefights, large scale battles have broken out across Ukraine in multiple cities. Two more IL-76s over uh, attempting to parachute uh, paratroopers into Kiev have been shot down, massive loss of life. Uh, we are on the move today uh, towards the border, and uh, so that will be interesting. Uh, we're expecting to possibly encounter Russian troops on the way, so that uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we are expecting to see firefights along the way as well, along the highway. So uh, with that, um, this is El Todd Wood from Kiev, or not from Kiev, from Western Ukraine heading west toward the Ukrainian border. Well, I just wanted to play that because I want people who may be a new audience at, at uh, Frank's Speech and other distribution partners to understand that we put reporters in harm's way. We give you the real news on the ground. We're not reading telegram channels and reporting what's going on. We've done the same in Israel and really in theaters around the world. So that's all I had for that, Bill. I just wanted to get that out to our audience. So if you want to know what's going on globally, Come to cdm.press. No, it's important. It was a, it was interesting to see. You could tell you were being quiet in certain cases, not to give away too much uh, local information. So um, fascinating. Let's bring in our first guest. Okay, Bob Smith, candidate for Senate here in Georgia. Thank you for joining us, sir. Hey, how are you? Uh, we are good, and we're glad to have you with us. So. Um, Tell us about how you uh, chose to get involved in the race. This is for the Senate seat uh, for District 30. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, a little bit about District 30. It's straight west of Atlanta, about 40 miles. It has all of Harrelson County. It has the northern part of Carroll, which includes the city of Carrollton, which is probably the biggest city. And then it has um, the west part of Douglas County and then a little bit of Paulding County in it as well. Um, our, our, our state Senator Mike Dugan uh, decided to uh, go after the newly created third district for Congress. Uh, so he resigned. And uh, so it's an open seat. Uh, the election is Tuesday. Um, a little bit about me. Um, my wife and I have lived in Villa Rica for 16 years. Uh, we have four adult sons and nine grandchildren. Um, and uh, I'm a business guy. I've never run for office before. Uh, I've been in the manufacturing business, uh, worked my way all the way up in the bottom to be uh, CEO of a couple pretty good sized manufacturing companies. Um, I've always been interested in politics, uh, but a couple of things really speared me to uh, become involved. Uh, one of them was in 2020 when I went to vote uh, for the presidential election. They told me I'd already mailed in a ballot and I had not done so. 
Uh, they let me fill out a provisional, but but after that, I became very interested in election integrity and and uh, spent some time with some groups. And the more I found out, the more concerned I have become. And then uh, last summer, uh, the second thing that really got me excited was when President Trump was indicted down in Atlanta. Uh, I called some of our state representatives and senators uh, in th from this area, and they wanted to do absolutely nothing. Uh, I was uh, very upset by that. And so when this opportunity came, came up, uh, I decided to, that I think people need to, need to stand up. It is interesting that uh, in times of a few folks standing up for what they believe is right, we've seen, unfortunately, so many of our uh, legislative representatives, both in the Senate and the House, elect to either stay quiet or to use... Um, you know, I'll call it excuses not to take action. Oh, gosh, we don't have the votes for something. And, yes, yes. you know, that's a shame. So one, uh, I think people would be intrigued by the fact that you're coming in. Uh, I'll call it fresh from the private sector and and bringing those kinds of ideas. Um, the other thing that's happened uh, is that uh, the Georgia Freedom Caucus, uh, to whom uh, Senator Colton Moore and uh, Charlie Spurd notably um, uh, belong, has endorsed you. So congratulations on that. Um, yes, thank you. That, that, that's very exciting. You know, they, they're a great organization. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very, very proud to be endorsed by them. Yep, we, uh, we, we, we work and uh, compare notes frequently with uh, the Freedom Caucus. I know they're not an easy sell. So uh, there's, there's four different people in this race. Is that correct? There is. There, is one, there are three Republicans and one, one Democrat. The, uh, the other two Republicans uh, are more, uh, I would call, establishment people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one, of the, one of the uh, Republicans has, uh, was a state senator at one time. Um, he resigned in, in, in the middle of his term to accept an appointment from Governor Deal, I believe, at the time. And then he's, he's also um, been uh, on the uh, Speaker Ralston staff. Uh, and he's being supported by uh, the uh, people down in, in Atlanta. Uh, so that, that's where most of his, his uh, financial support's coming from. And then there is um, a, a, a female, uh, and she's not run for, but most of her money has come from uh, two, two special interest groups, one of them being a, a, a company called Bullseye uh, Public Interest uh, that is uh, a, a big in casino gambling. And one of their uh, 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 main uh, uh, people is a guy named Henry Barber, who is a Trump hater. Hmm. Interesting. So this the election coming up on Tuesday is a special election caused by the resignation of, uh, of Dugan. Is that correct? That's correct. So does that mean that um, assuming that you that you were to win this, you'll be running again later in the year or does this last longer than that? Yes. First of all, whoever uh, wins or on, you know, the, you know, the Georgia has the, the, the 50 percent plus one vote. Mm -hmm. So with four in, four in the race, um, you know, who, who knows if somebody can get over 50 uh, the first time out. So there, there could very well be a runoff for, for this. And and then immediately after that, whoever wins that would have to file again to run in the in, in the in the uh, you know the primary and then stand again in in for for the election in November. So yeah, yeah it, it's uh, it's it's quite quite something. You mentioned one of the candidates is a uh, never Trumper, and I 
<clears throat> I realize you probably can't endorse um, somebody at this stage, but um, if you can share a bit of your feelings in terms of where you, where you think the head and the the mind of George is at, um, can you can you share a little bit of that okay. with us? First of all, um, maybe I misspoke, but the one of the, the nobody in this race says, says they don't support President Trump. Uh, okay. the, the, the the people that that are have financed uh, you know some of her of her things are. You know, are are non non Trump people. I as see. for as for where Trump is, um, everybody I've talked to is a Trump supporter. I I shouldn't say everybody, but almost everybody. I mean, within of just a few people. You know, I think President Trump is extremely popular in Georgia, um, and he should be. I mean, just just look 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 at his record as president. Uh, you'd you'd have to be kind of blind not to support tra- President Trump. Um, I mean, compare what, what what he did when he was president to what's been going on now. I mean, you know, look, look at how we were respected around the world, uh, you know, and he, and he didn't start any new wars. You know, he he enforced the immigration laws. How about that? He he uh, he uh, decreased regul as a businessman. I really appreciated that that he decreased regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, he also you know did a great task. So just look at the things that he did. He he unleashed uh, our, our our you know natural gas and oil and you know our energy. You know, look how low that those prices were. So, yeah, he's he's extremely popular here in in, in West Georgia. Yep. So since uh, since this is very near term, pe- people um, who see this may want to get a bit more information about you and your your thinking, perhaps some of your objectives. How, is there a way that they can go about doing that? Oh yes, th- th- thank you. Um, it might, I have a website. It's called BobSmithForSenate.com. Uh, it's real simple there, bobsmithforsenate.com. Uh, you can take take a look, you know, at what what uh, my uh, my pr- my principles are. You know, I, I'm for um, limited government, small government. I'm, I think Georgia should eliminate the state income tax. You know, I'm I'm for school choice. Uh, I also w- will vote to impeach F- F- Fannie Willis as well. Okay. Well, that that will probably keep you in good stead with many. I will tell you. <laughs> any uh, Todd? Any any other questions for uh, Bob? No, thank you for uh, coming on the show. We really want to highlight candidates uh, that are in the same view of the world as we are. So thanks for coming on, Bob. That's thank great. you very much. I really appreciate it. We wish you well in the next forty-eight hours, and uh, thank you. And uh, we'll we'll be sure to follow up and see how things come out. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Uh, our big sponsor uh, is David Cross. He's a fantastic investment advisor. He's also big into election integrity. And uh, we have an ad for him I want to run now. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. Let's bring in our next guest, Bill. Okay. Joseph Rossi, how are you today, sir? Doing well. Thank you, guys. Well, you have been uh, keeping the pressure on uh, Raffensperger's office, Gabe Sterling, and others, and um, the legislature seems to be taking up some of this and beginning to move in the right direction. Um, we wanted to see see what other updates you can share and kind of the next steps that you see that might be happening. So 
Um, let me let me leave it there, and you can tee us off for a minute. Sure. Again, thanks for ha having me. Uh, let me start off with 2023-181, uh, which is a closed case resulting in a consent agreement between the AG's office and Fulton County for election code violations. Mm -hmm. And uh, just one update on that, and I believe you have Garland Favre on later he could speak to the curling case but that did come up with mr sterling in that case and uh, mr sterling was forced to under oath to admit that he stated with 100 percent certainty that there were no ballots counted multiple times and which we all know at this point was factually incorrect so uh, could I you believe, repeat that you broke up for just a second joseph Okay, I said that the 2021-181 case during the during the curling uh, Raffensburg hearing the last couple of weeks, uh, Mr. Sterling, what uh, was challenged with his email to me, which says we know with 100% certainty that the ballots were not tallied multiple times because the hand re retally showed that. So he was forced to admit that he did in fact send that email statement to me and. Obviously, that statement turned out to be false. Okay. Uh, the second case, SEB 2023-25, this is the one, as you may recall, was for machine count two. So we mm -hmm. moved from the hand audit being aired to now the second machine count errors, which, um, as you may recall, had over 17,000 votes counted without ballot images. Right duplicate ballots, et cetera. And this is the case that was removed from the agenda in a previous meeting, yes? Right, that's the one that was pulled one business day before the December 19th hearing. Well, I've been told by the Secretary of State's office that that case is ready at this point, or as they say, complete, and ready to go to the board. However, it's not on the meeting for next week. So I dug into why is it not on the meeting if it's a if it's uh, completed. And I got an email from the paralegal that said the new chairman decided to not have that case on the board, uh, wanted to um, leave time for new members of the board to basically get, understand the details of that case. Um, that's unfortunate. I guess I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, it won't be heard until at the earliest would be May, which is the next board meeting, because they're going to move now to quarterly meetings. So um, we'll try to we'll we'll keep following up on that case to find out if there's any information that we could get relative to what the investigators are planning to report out on this time versus last time when the case got pulled at the last minute. Because I, as yep. I said before, I think they were going to be publicly embarrassed with their watered down investigation. The meeting you're referring to, uh, the next meeting of the state election board is coming up this Tuesday, uh, the 13th. And uh, we, we made another um, observation about it as well. There was a proposal brought forward in the last meeting regarding absentee ballots, what, what are uh, termed, often termed, uh, no excuse absentee balloting. And this has been a, consi a consistent concern of folks who have been involved in uh, building better election integrity in Georgia. So um, what's happened now is that uh, in advance of this meeting, the state election board is actually inviting the public to weigh in and give their thoughts about these types of ballots. 
and uh, you'll see the the address, um, the email address that folks can use to send their comments there. It's sebpublickcomments at sos.ga.gov. And then folks can actually watch the uh, proceedings of the meeting. This will not be an on-site meeting. It won't, won't be in person. It'll be done via uh, Microsoft Teams, but they also give the login information so people can observe and see what, what is discussed. My, uh, my uh, feeling, we published this in the Georgia Record the last couple of days, and my feeling is this is a great opportunity for folks to uh, take the advantage, let their their views be known if they have concerns, and I know many, many, many do um, that they that they weigh in. Um, and you'll you'll remember that I think two thousand mules that came out uh, now a couple of years ago showed uh, the potential effect, the alleged effect of ballot trafficking all over Atlanta and really all over Georgia and the, and, uh, the country in many cases, specifically here in, in and around Atlanta and Georgia. And um, so they that would form an easy basis for many people to say, you know, it seems that this should be very closely looked at. And the proposal that is under consideration by the SEB would actually ask the legislature to consider eliminating this type of ballots or at least amending their use. So that seems like an interesting thing to have come up in this meeting to me. <laughs> That's good news. It is. It is. What do you think are the next steps for the pieces that you're working on, uh, Joseph? Sure. The last item is SEBBI 2023-0001, which was the complaint that attorney Jack James and I filed on March 21st of 2021 against the Secretary of State for election code violations. So because it's been such a long time since that complaint was originally filed, we filed a supplemental document, which I've shared with, I've sent to you guys, and it's seven pages that covers everything that everybody needs to know about the errors, the lie, and the cover-up. So if you wanna post that or share that, feel free to do so. Okay. But basically, that supplemental is in the hands of the state Senate, uh, the lieutenant governor, the state house, the speaker of the house, Burns, and the state election board to include their new members, and it's being reviewed by them. So regarding that, um, the one thing that did happen quickly and positively right after the last hearing when the state election board uh, voted to ask the state, the general assembly to rule on whether they have the authority to investigate the Secretary of State. Very, very quickly, the Senate passed a bill, SB 358, that did three things. One, removed Raffensperger from an ex-officio office, officer of the board. Two, it um, authorized that they do have the authority. And three, that he must comply with such investigations. So my recent conversation, so that's passed the Senate uh, recent conversations with my local representative. They're working on it in the House, and it will come to a vote in the House in what he calls the last week, which is the crossover period. Mm -hmm. Bills between the House and the Senate get voted on. I'm cautiously optimistic that that bill will pass and be sent to the governor's office for signature and basically turn over or authenticate that the uh, SEB has authority to investigate Raffensperger independently and 
hopefully with the new chair there and a new member, uh, we can get moving on a uh, an official investigation of the Secretary of State for election code violations. Yep. You may have to rename Raffigate to, you know, the the uh, uh, the the lie, the cover up and then whatever comes after that pursuant to the rest of this. So um, what what many people may not see that I get to see is that you've been consistently pushing on this with people within the state election board, people within the secretary of state's office uh, and people in the legislature. So kudos to all of that work. Thank you. And. Um, we, uh, we hope that it will bear the fruit that it appears to be moving towards. So, uh, thank you for all of that effort and we look forward to more updates as we go forward. Thank you gentlemen for getting the word out. Thanks you a bet. lot, Joe. Have a great day. All right. That's great. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, I want to talk about a new sponsor here at CDM advisor metals. Uh, you know, I was a bond trader back in the day. And, uh, you know, we would have countries come on to the desk to float a few hundred million bonds in the market, and there would be no buyers because the credit of the country was so bad or the interest rate would be so high that nobody, uh, it was too expensive for the issuers to, to float the bonds, basically to borrow money from the market. So I saw then that uh, there was a problem coming in the U.S. with our massive debt crisis. And uh, how are you going to protect yourself with hyperinflation? Because it's coming. We're adding a trillion dollars every 90 days. And we're going to talk more about this and have some interviews. But Ira Bershatsky at uh, Advisor Metals. If you go to cdm.press, top right corner, there you can click on Advisor Metals. And Ira, I've done the background research on him. And uh, he's one of the only metals uh, advisors that is actually re registered by the Commodities Commission, meaning that he has to go through a lot of ethical uh, considerations, et cetera, reporting requirements. And so you can feel very comfortable with him, but go to cdm.press, top right corner, and talk to him about how to add precious metals to your portfolio, uh, even in your IRA, which is a, a place uh, that he can really help you on because he has a custodian for the actual metals that he works with that we've also talked with. So uh, check it out. And if you are looking to do something with your portfolio to protect what's coming, uh, talk to Ira at Advisor Metals. And uh, next we have Garland. Is that correct, Bill? It is. It is. Garland Favorito, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Bill, Todd. Great to be hey, back Garland. with y'all. It is wonderful to see you, and thank you for making time. Always so, for you. So you've had a busy, what, two or three weeks now with the curling Raffensburger case. And yeah. so we thought it would be a great opportunity to get an update on that. Um, and then uh, we're going to do more extensive coverage on it. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, but, but please go ahead. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's actually been four weeks, Bill. Plus then last week, as y'all know, we had the press conference, which was, at, that was the fifth week. And we announced a lot of the evidence, um, that, uh, our co-plaintiff Ricardo Davis, who was on the show, I think uh, a while back, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago when we got started, um, we've, we got, we got a lot of, of evidence on the record, but not nearly as much as we should have, but there were a lot of astounding things that, uh, came, um, uh, came to pass, um, during, as part of that trial that, um, I thought, you know, we covered some of these in the press conference, but we'll do the special show and go through them in more detail. But I thought I just, as a teaser, we could, uh, tell you a, a few of the things that we found out that sounds great during the yeah. trial one of the most amazing things in the entire trial 
was the fact that there's no one in the Secretary of State's office who's responsible for cybersecurity. Um, Gabe Sterling said it was Michael Barnes. Michael Barnes said it was Merritt Beaver, the CTO. Uh, Merritt said, uh, no, actually, uh, it's under uh, Gabe Sterling. So they played a circle. And he said, by the way, we outsourced it to Dominion anyway. Well, no one from Dominion testified. And Dominion can't really cover the uh, cybersecurity for the infrastructure at the Center for Election System within the Secretary of State's office. That's that's not a vendor's responsibility. Mm -hmm. So what it was probably the, one of the most single most astounding things was that we're going to go into the 2024 election with no one in the Secretary of State's office who has who has done uh, responsible for anything to do with cybersecurity. Um, and that kind of goes to the point about Alex Halderman, as y'all know, uh, Halderman hacked the system again uh, in front of the in front of the court on the second week of the trial. And Halderman, uh, this was uh, Tamara, um, who y'all know, and I think she's been on the show once before. She pointed out to me, says, you know, this is the second time that he's hacked this. Three years ago, he did the same thing in front of the court. And the Secretary of State's office hasn't done anything. Well, and he, if I recall correctly, he took a pen and hack and, and got the system to reboot using a pen. Was that correct? That's correct. And that's when he installed malware. And the pen wasn't even his. He borrowed the pen from the prosecuted the uh, opposing counsel's pen. <laughs> which I thought that was beautiful good. optics on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um so uh, those are some of the things. Uh, but, you know, Halderman's greatest concern that he testified to wasn't hacking the BMD. It's the fact that the spreading of malware through the county servers from the election preparation server at the Secretary of State's uh, office. Mm -hmm. That uh, is what he said in the security analysis is his greatest concern because that way, that can affect every machine, every election, every county uh, in in the in the state of Georgia. So, right. um, yeah, I thought so. That thought that was interesting. And then um, a few of the other things that I think that were important. We were kind of glad that Dr. Stark, Philip Stark, who's the inventor of risk limiting audits, he confirmed uh, that he had done the same type of research we had done. And they found 17,000 votes in Fulton County that don't have uh, any ballot images for it. So that was, that was uh, uh, I think, um, uh, something that we felt really good about because we also put our record, Ricardo put our report into the record mm -hmm. where we had found the same thing. So, so just so that the audience can understand what that is, when you most people are are familiar with putting their ballot through what they they would might call a scan or other people call it a tabulator, but in that process it creates several files, one of which is an image of the ballot that it stores. And so what you're saying is, seventeen thousand of those were somehow missing. Yeah, exactly, because you can't have a vote without a ballot image. But, you know the ballot. The, you know the ballot is scanned. It creates a digital ballot image. The digital mm -hmm. ballot image, then in turn, is interpreted into a cast vote record, and the cast vote record is tabulated. 
So how do you have 17,000 votes uh, that are certified that, um, you know, there's there's no uh, explanation for that as mm-hmm. to, you know, if they, since they didn't have ballot images, how do you have those votes? Yeah, the question uh, becomes what happened to them? Were they created? Then they disappeared. How could that happen? Why was it 17,000? Why wasn't it 20? Why wasn't it 10? You know, it, and, and now you, you add to that what you mentioned earlier, which is, there's no one person with their name on responsibility for cybersecurity from the Secretary of State's office. It just sounds astounding. Well, right. And then there was a whole host of other things that we got on the record, uh, accounting problems for which there's no plausible explanation. Uh, we try, We asked uh, the state election director about uh, Herschel Walker's vote totals when he uh, lost 20,000 votes in four minutes on election night, uh, January, uh, no, I'm sorry, that would have been November of 2022. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the explanation we got back, we said, well, you know, the elections director says, well, maybe um, it was due to an, an old uh, interim result file that was uploaded. Well, we know that can't be correct because if that was true, then all of the vote totals would have gone down, mm-hmm. not just Herschel Walker's because the other candidates' vote totals went up. So we asked the elections director, did you investigate that? And he said, no, we didn't. And that, which re- that really irritated me because I was the one who gave him the GPB Twitter feed that showed that the Herschel had lost 20,000 votes. Right. Um, so bottom line was they never investigated that. We asked them about the DeKalb County uh, District 2 commission race, which uh, when they declared the wrong winner in that race, the system declared the wrong winner. They tried to say that was due to human error um, and uh, what we call a ballot alignment problem. But that doesn't explain uh, to, as near as we can tell why the system failed to count 1,800 votes. Um, you know, that was the case where Michelle Long Spears had 4,000 votes according to the hand count, uh, and she only had 1,000 according to the machine count. Uh, you know, fortunately, she caught it because she got zero votes in the precinct where she and her husband and her family lived and voted. Uh, so they didn't have any explanation for why the system didn't count the 1800 votes there. Um, and then we asked them about the ballot rejection problem with one of the y'all, have, I think you've talked about on the show with David Cross before. Um, that's the state election uh, board bill, uh, 2022, 348. Mm-hmm. And that one as a complaint. And it shows that the um, uh, ballot images, uh, I'm sorry, ballot rejections, which means that the votes were not counted, occurred across uh, 65 or 67 counties that were surveyed. So we had asked them about this in Tennessee. They had the same problem out there, the Williamson County era. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, they said, I said, did you investigate this in, in, in Georgia? And uh, at first, uh, the state election director said, well, um, yeah, you know, we, they've got a different version. They run B up there. We run A down here. And therefore, it wasn't there. Well, then we said, well, why is it that it's showing, the audit logs show that it's in 65 or 67 counties surveyed? No explanation for that whatsoever. And that's the same era that the Tennessee Secretary of State used to uh, 
discontinued use of this Dominion Democracy 5.5 system, yeah. which is the same system that we're using here in in uh, in Georgia. So, you know, we're looking at conducting the 2024 election on a system that the Tennessee Secretary of State says uh, is cannot be used in their state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Texas has already rejected this before it was ever purchased here in Georgia. And plus, Colorado has replaced it as well. So a week ago, we had we had folks on and we were replaying a um, a piece, uh, an, uh, a video report that uh, another platform had done. And they had uh, Brad Raffensperger on and they positioned his uh, role as having created the cleanest voter rolls in the country. And he took took a victory lap for that on uh, essentially national TV. Uh, what What's your feeling about whether our voter rolls are in fact clean or are they cleanest in the country? Is that possible? Well, I think that Kim Brooks has been on your show before. So, um, and she's shown how the voter rolls are being manipulated across counties here in Georgia. It's very disturbing. Uh, unfortunately, voter rolls weren't part of the curling case. Mm-hmm. We were only focusing on the uh, electronic voting aspect of it. Um, but clearly, there's something seriously wrong with the voter rolls uh, here. And we, we've got hundreds of thousands of voters on the rolls that shouldn't be there. And they're being manipulated across yeah. counties. Um, there, you know, we'll see people, it appears to be some type of an electronic um, um, well, they have to keep the dead people on there so they can attach them to votes when they change the vote totals. Essentially, well, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's the bottom line of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, going on, uh, we talked that logic and accuracy testing came up in the in the trial, and uh, basically, Dr. Appel confirmed what Dr. Haldeman has been saying. Uh, he said in his security analysis, and that's what we've been saying for 15 years, that uh, logic and accuracy testing cannot be used to ensure that the system is counting correctly because um, the malware can be programmed to count correctly during logic and accuracy testing and then cheat later, or it can be count, uh, programmed to count correctly for the first couple of ballots, knowing that only one or two ballots are tested mm-hmm. per machine, and then it can start cheating. Uh, you know, so Dr. Holloman said that there's no practical method of pre-election or parallel testing that can rule out malware-based fraud. So right. we continue to use this logic and accuracy testing, and they continue to claim that that's actually helping us. But in reality, it's not. It's not doing the job. Yeah. yeah. One of the so, big discussions going on nationally right now is the fact that. You know, we're, we've become accustomed to thinking about AI as part of our computing environment in all kinds of different areas. And um, were you to consider that AI might be applied in an election scenario, it, it adds the ability to have automatic functionality, automatic changes in ways that occur so fast, so broadly that they might not be observable in the way that, for example, you mentioned that there was a, de- a declination of um, thir- 20,000 votes uh, in the Herschel race. Well, you might not see that if the software is controlling it more carefully. And there's concern now that, you know, a application of AI and some of these things might make some of this stuff in the future invisible. Um, 
I know we're I know we're early on that, but it's just you know it's just one more concern in the midst of kind of all of this, I guess. Well, and really, to be honest, it's invisible now. There's no transparency, which is another issue that came up in the trial. Um, you know, paper ballots are sealed here permanently, so you can never use them to verify the results or detect counterfeits. And then uh, it, uh, the state election director uh, admitted uh, during this the hearing that Georgia has no policy to, mitig to mitigate illegitimate ballots. You know, or even detect them for that matter. Um, yeah, sure. So one of the my favorite quotes of the whole trial was Dr. Juan Gilbert. He was a state expert, but he says, you know, you can check your bank account, but not your vote. Mm -hmm. And I think that sums up the, the one of the major problems in Georgia. We we cannot um, uh, we can't check our votes because they are permanently sealed. And even after three years and a Georgia Supreme Court victory, we still haven't seen those sealed ballots yet yeah uh, so we're trying to get that changed here in georgia with a senate bill well, 122 the regime is in place they don't want to lose power and that's how they would lose power so i mean obviously it's a fight i mean it's a knife fight at this point well exactly because you know they they concluded us uh, one of the experts i think it was gilbert said that you know there's no way to secure a digital ballot image so what they're trying to do is say well we're going to put the ballot images up and make those public well that's fine, but they've already been electronically altered. Yeah. So how does that help us confirm yeah. that the, the results are? Besides the curling case, what other avenues do you see of possibly getting rid of the electronic stuff? Well, I, I don't see any other avenue of getting rid of the system except for the curling case. We're pushing it really hard at the legislature. One of the things that we're focusing on now that came out of the curling case that we're taking to the legislature is the wireless system access of Dominion. Uh, we know from forensic exams that the system uh, is installed to be wirelessly accessed in many different ways. Mm -hmm. The database, the ports, the firewalls, um, everything is set up for wireless access. And then in the case, the court case, we have eyewitness testimony that Dominion uh, fixed a problem, a ballot rejection problem, wirelessly in the U.S. Senate race in 20, uh, the runoff in 2021. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the eyewitness testimony, and then Jeffrey Lindbergh came in and uh, directed some tests and found the exact scanner setting that has changed to resolve that ballot re rejection problem. Hmm. So you've got forensic experts, eyewitnesses, and um, uh, uh, Lindbergh, who's a nation state vulnerability expert, 30 years of experience, all saying that the system is wirelessly accessed. Three different types of corroborating testimony that are now in the record, thanks to Ricardo Davis, that they would not be in the curling record had it not been for him. Yeah. I bet folks are going to want to know more about you know the, the case. It lasted, as you said, quite a long time. It's a lot of detail to it. And uh, one of the things that we'll do together in the coming couple of days is we're going to put together an hour long special that uh, allows uh, allows you and your team to take us through uh, what happened, what was covered, what steps they may have tried to do to keep certain information out of the case and other things. So uh, that will be fascinating. And, and I bet folks are going to want to be uh, uh reviewing that as uh, as we make it available so we're excited yeah. to do that with you
Thank you, Bill. And so one of the bottom lines that uh, will come out of that presentation and this one, I'll mention it today, and we're trying to uh, explain this to the legislature, but Dominion has no patch. There's no evidence they have any patch that would resolve all the security problems that Dr. Haldeman has identified and right. others for that matter. So he concluded that in his view, it would be extremely difficult to retrofit security into a system that was not initially produced with such a process. Yep. So bottom line is this system's broken. It can't be fixed. And the legislature uh, is not doing what they need to do to protect the voters in the upcoming 2024 elections. Yep. Well, a bit, the bigger spotlight we put on this, the more pressure there is for them to take action. So thank you for the efforts exactly. there. Exactly. Todd, anything else? No, that's it. Thank you very much, Garland. All Appreciate right. you coming on. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks thank you, Garland. Bye-bye. Take care. Fascinating. We'll be we got to stay on that case. Sounds like we, there's lots more work to be done. Yes. Our plate is getting bigger, Bill. Did, <laughs> did we, did we want to uh, hear from uh, Glade uh, Miller and his? Uh, uh, actually, I'm, uh, we'll run Glade next time. I've, okay. um, I want to talk about the wellness company and their ah, emergency great. medical kit, which is right here. It, we were talking about disease exit Davos and uh, uh, they're talking about, uh, you know, different pandemics are going to happen. They're running wargaming all this stuff out. So we don't know what's coming. So why don't you be prepared with your family? The emergency wellness kit, uh, here it is. And it gives you medicines for all different kinds of things that could impact your family. Uh, as the new world order tries to clamp us down and control us and give us another crisis that they don't want to go to waste with vaccine passports, all of the above. So it's coming in one form or the other. This gives you a lot of different things from tick bites to bubonic plague and other bioweapons to any kind of disease of the respiratory system. And it gives you information on how to prescribe the drugs or to, to use them as well as doctor appointments virtually. So go to twc.health forward slash CDM, use, use promo code CDM for a 10% discount. Uh, you may need one, more than one for your family. So thank you, Bill. So Where are the, we going next? The, uh, you actually uh, were able to gather information and and break a story regarding um, the Secretary of State and uh, past cap, cam, uh, campaign manager and some interesting connections. So I thought that would make uh, sense to spend a bit of time on today. If we could. Yeah. So, you know, I acquired the Georgia record uh, several years ago and um, some of the staff brought me some interesting uh, information at the time. Uh, one of the uh, writers had been threatened online and the FBI came to her house and traced it all the way to Tiananmen Square. We have that in the Georgia record. So th there's a lot of this started out of the Johns Creek area. And this gentleman is uh, effectively, or was effectively, Brad Raffensperger's Chinese campaign manager. He wasn't given that title, but he was the one reaching out to the Chinese community to get votes for Brad Raffensperger. Jay Lin, uh, now he's a big Biden supporter, but essentially controlling the votes of the Chinese population for certain candidates. Lo and behold, uh, he went to school with none other than Xi Jinping in China and was there at the same university at the same time. And there's a lot of other connections. You can go to georgiarecord.com and see the article and see all of the supporting evidence. 
But the Chinese infiltration, or not even Chinese, we're not anti-Chinese, we're anti-CCP. We need to make that connection. Right. And the uh, the you know the infiltration of this uh, tyrannical uh, entity is pretty thorough, obviously, in Georgia. And I think that's why all of the problems you're seeing in the elections from, uh, you know, the new mental health pushes, all of this is control to institute a tyrannical regime down the road and to have the infrastructure in place to do that. Uh, you know, if, if they don't like you, maybe you're mentally ill and need to be put in prison by two anonymous people, which was the Bill 520 that was defeated last year. So all of these control systems are being put in place and we need to highlight and we're going to continue to highlight the CCP infiltration into the Georgia state government. And uh, yeah, there you go. That's, uh, you know, going after the Chinese community for Democratic candidates. I'm not sure what other slides you have here. Um, um, this has to do with the uh, with the announcement of the voting systems. Yeah. So another uh, person who was uh, involved in a lot of this, who's close to Governor Kemp, who we've tied back to certain entities is Jay Lynn, who was on the who took Brad Raffensperger's place in Johns Creek on the city council and was uh, is in Kemp's administration. And again, you can go to the Georgia record and look at all of this. We've got in-depth proof. We've got in-depth analysis and documents and all kind of stuff. But we're going to continue to highlight the infiltration of the CCP into the Georgia state government and to its infrastructure, its port infrastructure, its high tech industry up in the North Atlanta area and everywhere. It's a real problem and we're going to continue to focus on it. Some folks may question this. You know, they may say, well, this is just one photo. It's just one mm -hmm. press conference. Doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. But if they go back to your point and research what we've published in the last year or so, there's also promo uh, videos that have been made by Governor Kemp inviting um, uh, Chinese companies to relocate or open offices and, and locations here in Georgia. But what's that mean? Well, companies in China. Um, by definition, and the information flowing on the internet in China is by definition known by China. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, the companies are in effect controlled by the CCP. They don't get to do things that are not in keeping with what the CCP would like them to do. So here we have, you know, our governor promoting uh, Georgia as an appropriate landing point for such companies. Yet it seems to me, if I understand the, the connections correctly, that that would be similar to inviting the CCP to land companies here and, and operate in Georgia. Very concerning, given, given what we know today um, and, and the fact that we see um, uh, Chinese companies acquiring certain types of land, often near military installations and other things, and particularly concerning, given what cropped up uh, about a week and a half ago that Colton Moore uh, and his team discovered coming through Hartsfield Airport. Um, on that same day, we heard his report about finding folks that were being uh, brought into the country deemed, you know, recently uh, documented travelers, whatever the heck that means. Uh, and then we see reports out of uh, the border showing uh, Chinese nationals, uh, reportedly, coming through the border and immediately letting themselves be taken into custody and processed through and then released into, into the country. 
Correct. So you add all these pieces up, and it is a concerning uh, picture. And most notably, we hear nothing about it uh, currently from our own governor. He's off uh, just an hour and a half ago. Was making statements about the the good work and the you know how he's in lockstep with what Governor Abbott's doing in Texas and supporting that activity. Yet apparently, uh, being um, ignorant or uh, unattentive, perhaps, to the concerns here in our own state. Intentionally unattentive. And, you know, we, we're we not putting out names of people that we're just making this up or trying to defame everybody, We anybody. We have all of this documented. We have lots of documents to back up what we're saying. Go to the Georgia record. You can research it all. It's all there. It's been out for several years, actually, but this new wrinkle of uh, this gentleman going to college, uh, university in China with Xi Jinping at the same time uh, was just a new connection for Brad Raffensperger that had not been seen before. In addition to everything else we've reported since 2021, which is quite extensive at the Georgia record. And I think we need to roll out. Bill, what else do you got? Well, um, perhaps, again, spend a few minutes just letting folks know what else is out there, because they see many are, are looking at us at the Georgia record. We thank them, thank them for that. And uh, again, we encourage Georgia residents and others to bring information forward, just as you just got through explaining that uh, started that last story. Um, in addition, we have um, you know other properties that they can see all over the country and beyond the country. So maybe, maybe give them a view of, of that perhaps. Yeah. We will real quickly, we have 13 different digital properties. We're very heavy in Eastern Europe, the middle East, the Balkan region. Uh, we have the best coverage around for all of that. And then we have uh, papers across the U S we have a military channel. CDM Espanol is big that we're pushing hard now. And we're going to be on Frank speech with that on TV too soon as well. And, uh, you know, all of our other stuff that we bring to the table as far as just straight reporting from all over the country down at the local level all the way to the global level. So it's cdm.press. You can find everything there. And we're proud of what we're building. We're a I tell people we're a wire service without the globalist spin. And we're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So with that, uh, thank you very much. Go to cdm.press. Put us in your daily scan. Sign up for everything. And we'll see you uh, next show.